0: Like Shane, when we find ourselves in a barren land, we have to ask a fundamental question, and that is, how did I get there? How did I end up there? And oftentimes we miss what God is doing because we fail to ask the right question of God. So here's what we wanna do today. We're gonna talk about that up close and personal. So let's pray, and uh, we're just gonna jump right into it today. Father, I thank you for just the opportunity we have today to serve you and to love you, God. And uh, I pray, God, earnestly that as we look inside of our own hearts, God, as maybe some of us here today are in, are in barren places, I pray, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, that, Lord, you would show us the idols in our own life, that, God, that you would open our hearts up, that you will show us, God, why we might have the barrenness in our life. And uh, I just pray in Jesus' name that you will be honored, that you would bind the power of the evil one, that you would anoint this time together, anoint your word, God, allow us to see your word in a, in a way that is pure and righteous and good, godly, and I pray, God, in Jesus' name that, Lord, from start to finish, God, that uh, you will have our attention in Jesus' holy and powerful and awesome name, I pray. In some cases, when we, find, we wake up someday and we find ourselves in a barren place, where we find ourselves stripped away from all the things that we love and desire in our lives, oftentimes we have to realize that God is in the center of that. And we don't want to think that because we've built our lives around something that is a God in in and of itself, but sometimes it's God himself that strips away our lives and allows us to be in a place where there's nowhere for us to turn. So we call that idolatry we uh idolatry comes in a lot of packages we're going to look at that today it isn't just us bowing down to a statue oftentimes it's far different than that so let me define idolatry for us because I think it's important before we move on it is anything we place as more important than God as anything we place as more important than God it can be things it can be people it can be memories it can be money even a lifestyle a career your rights your hobbies, your work, even your comfort can be an, I, a place of idolatry for God, before God. So I've been in the process of, my wife and I have been in the process of buying a car and uh, for her. And so, uh, because I love my truck, but we had to buy a car for her. So we are in this, we, I went down to a car lot, I, it will remain unnamed, I went down to a car lot and uh, went out on the lot and I was there for around 45 minutes and I was looking at different cars and you know you know straining my eyes to see the inside and and I noticed that there was this group of guys that were all huddled up and they were on their cell phones and talking and laughing in the shade and I'm out here and it's like 95 degrees And I'm out here looking for this car, and I'm no joke. I'm there for about 40, 45 minutes, and then my wife pulls in because we've agreed to meet there. She pulls in, and uh, together we're looking around and we're looking around, and and uh, eventually I had just had it. And I'm going to tell you right up front, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't a pretty Pastor Dan moment. It wasn't a godly moment at all. So I walk over to these guys. And I didn't yell, I didn't do any of those things, but I spoke to them, I think I probably spoke to them through my teeth, you know what I mean by that? and I'm asking them some questions like, do you really work here? Things like that. And uh, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't the prettiest moment I've ever had in my life. And afterwards, as I was evaluating what I had done, feeling a little guilty of what had happened and what had, what had transpired that day, I asked myself, and I was very emotional about it. I really was, I mean, I, you know, I, could, you know, I got this, all, all this emotion that was welling up in me. And as I was thinking about that, I was asking the question, why did that happen? Why did I get so emotional about something as stupid as that? Have you ever been there? Have you ever done something like that? I know that many of you have you got all emotional about things. You go back and you go, so what was up with that? I had to ask, why did I react? And here is what I discovered about myself is that really I was worshiping an idol. And I didn't even realize it. It was the idol of comfort and uh, they were interfering with my right to be comfortable and uh, my right to do whatever I wanted to do on that lot and uh, so as I realized it, I realized wow I wonder how many other people are in the same boat that we here in America worship the idol of comfort and when somebody gets in our way of comfort we just bust right through them So here's what I know about idolatry. So I'm not going to talk to you about what I don't know today. I'm going to talk to you about what I do know. This is what I know about idolatry. It is extremely dangerous when you and I worship the wrong things. And I want to say that to you. I want you to kind of lean into that a little bit because it is really important for us to understand. And oftentimes it's things that we don't even know that we are worshiping until they are taken away from us. So I want to show you two passages of scripture and I want to show you how God sees idolatry. Remember idolatry is anything that we put above God in our emotion, in our worship, in our spirit, whatever we love more, whatever we serve more, whatever we give more to, that is a form of idolatry. So, so smile when I say this, when I spend more on my vacation than I spend on the kingdom of God, well you just fill in the blanks there, okay? You kind of get where I'm going. That's idolatry. That's idolatry. So this is what God says about idolatry. Don't miss this. This is powerful. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 14 says, So my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. Paul says that you and I are not just to casually walk away. We're not to have a casual spirit about it. You and I are to run in the, When you and I recognize idolatry inside of our lives, you and I are to run in the opposite direction. And then we read in Ephesians chapter five, verse five. This is powerful. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or is covetous, that is idolatry. <laughs> Paul just adds that little digger in there has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ or of God. did he just say that? Paul writes to the Ephesians and he says, if I am an habitual practicer of idolatry, then maybe I don't understand who Jesus is and who God is. And maybe I may not even be, even though I might be a name only, maybe I may not be a Christ follower. So let me give you three insights regarding idolatry and let's just stop there for a second and let me just say it's never too late to repent, it's never too late to flee, it's never too late to turn your life around, it's never too late to evaluate what's going on in your life and serve the living and true God. So let me give you three insights about idolatry. An idol is anything that promises a life of security and joy apart from God. It's anything that promises a life of security and joy apart from God so you fill in the blanks what is it that you're depending upon for your joy in your life for your security inside of your life and we've, we do a lot of different things we do stupid things just before a man died he said to his wife that uh, when he died that he wanted to take all of his money to heaven with him he wanted to take it up on his journey in the afterlife and his, his wife promised that she would allow him to do that at his funeral just before the casket was closed his wife put a little box in the casket and the a wife, her wife the wife's friend said I know you weren't foolish enough to put all that money in there for that with that man and she says I can't lie I promised him I would put that money in the casket with him so that's what I did and she said you mean to tell me that in that casket is all of his money and she said yep that's what I did I sure did but I wrote him a check And so here's the deal, is that here's a guy who's counting on something other than Jesus in the next life. What makes these idols so dangerous is they're nearly always good things. Our idols aren't bad things. We understand the difference between good and bad. So let me see if I can unpack that for you for just a few minutes. I've seen the good of desiring a marriage, a good marriage, become a false god. When I substitute that, for my security in Christ. I've seen the good of wanting to provide for a family become an idol of a of, 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 of sorts when it comes to the place where you wanna have one more achievement. And then when you, re, when you reach that, you have one more achievement after that. And pretty soon you find yourself worshiping your success more than you worship God. Idols come in surprising ways as you look deeply inside your own soul as more and more people look at Google, almost everybody that I know uses Google from time to time. As I, and as you think about the nature of Google, think about it this way, is this, Google is our, our immediate, all-knowing oracle of answers. From trivial to the profound, it doesn't matter. We, we ask Google almost everything. Google is our modern day God. Think back on every fear, every hope, that you have, every desire that you've confessed to Google's search box and you just type it in there, and you just let Google answer your questions. Is there any entity you've trusted more with your secrets? Does anyone know you better than Google? <laughs> That's an interesting question, because I think we spend more time, maybe not, may, I know that maybe you're, you don't do this, but maybe we spend more time on Facebook and Google, and that becomes the source of our information than we do with God, who is able to give us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So the second thing how are we doing so far i hope we're all having fun here because I, idolatry is a serious thing but we need to do this in such a way that you can engage and just not turn the tv set off second thing that i've learned about idols is idols engage the deepest emotions of our hearts idols engage the deepest emotions of our hearts how do i know that when idols are challenged people get violent so let me show you that from the Bible when Paul went to Ephesus and he began to proclaim the gospel uh, there at the, at the city of Ephesus there was a riot that broke out because that's where the statue of Diana was and all these merchants got their income from selling little statues of Diana and so when Paul comes in and says listen all you need is Jesus You don't need a statue. You don't need anything else. You don't need anything but Jesus. Jesus is all you'll ever need in your life. Literally, people came unglued. And there was a riot that ensued and it got really ugly at Ephesus and uh, all over this little thing called idolatry. So here's an important question for me to ask you. What do you feel obsessive about protecting in your own life? Let's slow that down a bit because here's what I want to promise you if you've lived in this life very long there are certain things that you've grown to be very obsessed about Possessive. even to the point that when someone challenges whatever that is you find yourself in a place where you're defensive where you are angry. Where you are, you you know, you're a you're a a you turn into a monster just because someone has challenged your obsession, and I and the love of Christ goes out the window, and you begin to become very deeply emotion emotional and reactive and and I'm just saying you don't have to go very far to see this happen. It happens on Facebook every day. Where people get challenged and then become unloving and then become angry and then become a monster and I'm just saying listen folks the most important thing that we can do is serve Jesus the third thing that I know about idols is idols demand sacrifices to keep them happy and the more you give them the more they demand if business is your idol you'll sacrifice your integrity to climb the ladder of success if it's your idol if acceptance is your idol you will sacrifice your honesty and lie to get affirmation so let me just ask you this question have you ever been asked a question about yourself and you had the opportunity to tell the truth and you just exaggerated or blocked it or even actually told a blatant lie about who you are I find myself sometimes saying words that I'm going, why did I say that? Why did I do that? And the answer is, is that I'm protecting an idol inside of my own life. An idol is like a brush fire. It never says enough. Instead, it just keeps on asking for more and more and more. If romance is your idol, You'll walk out on your spouse as soon as the spark seems to die. If romance is your idol. We all have, in our culture, we have tons of idols. I can't name them all here. I don't have time to name them all here. But I want to spend the rest of our time together talking about what the answer is. Because if you find yourself in a barren land, there has to be some answers. So I want to start Excuse me with something extremely simple. What's the answer? When your life is stripped away and you find yourself empty, because that's where idolatry will always take you. In the end, an idol promises what it cannot deliver. An idol will always lead you to the desert and you'll find yourself there. So here is the answer. The answer is always the same. The answer is this, is that when you find yourself in a barren place, you go back to the simplicity of the gospel. That Christ died for your sins. That he rose again. That he's coming again. You go back to the simplicity of the gospel. The wages of sin is death. That's an amazing statement. It's just not the sin that leads to hell. We think about when we think about that verse in terms of the wages of sin is death. we, We think about that in terms of the ultimate penalty is hell and separation from God. But in the context of Romans chapter 6, Paul's saying that when we allow idols to be our masters, we get a glimpse of those hellish wages today. We get that emptiness and loneliness and separation. Sin is a master that always demands a payment. On time, in full, sin starts fun. It never ends that way. That's the nature of idolatry. It starts fun. It starts perhaps innocent. And then the more you give, the more you surrender, the more you, the more you give yourself into it, the stronger of a grip that it has on your life. You think about pornography. You think about any form of sin. And everything starts out in a glance. Something so simple as that. Think about where drugs lead you. Think about, think about those kinds of things. But then think about the idolatry of comfort and the idolatry of perhaps a marriage or the idolatry of a job. Think about all those things and realize that all those things are good things, but that's not life. Jesus is life. Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. He gave us to give, came to give us the beautiful life. And that's what we have to surrender to. That's what you and I have to do. The gospel does three things. The gospel identifies the root of our issues. When you really begin to come back to the simplicity of the gospel, it identifies the root issues inside of your life. That's it is the greatest counselor you'll ever have is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the greatest friend that you'll ever have. It is the greatest pastor you'll ever have is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It identifies your roots, not just your symptoms. It always leads us to life and to not, not to death. The gospel always leads us to a place where there's joy, where there's freedom, where there's service, where there's surrender, where there's all the beautiful things of life. But here's what I want you to know about the gospel. If the gospel is going to find root in your life, you have to repent, you have to turn from those idols. And you have to surrender your life to the gospel. That's the answer. You have to surrender your life to the gospel. So personal question, is the gospel the first thing you think of when you wake up? Is the gospel the last thing you think of before you go to sleep? Is the gospel what you're thinking about all day long? Maybe it's because the gospel hasn't found the right place in your life. The answer to idolatry is always going back to our brokenness, God's provision, and our surrender. And when you do that, we find life everlasting. We find life today, right now. We don't wait to heaven to get to, to have life. We find it right now. So wherever you're at, wherever you're listening to this at, whether you're at home or in a Watch, party or wherever you're at, listen to me carefully. What God wants from you right now is for you to surrender your life more deeply to the gospel. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your last name is. I don't care what title you have on your name. What God wants from your life right now is for you to surrender your life more deeply to the gospel. So how much surrender does God require? more every day, more every day, I just surrender. I surrender to Him. And when I do that, the promise that He gives me is joy and peace and all the fruits of the Spirit. So may God bless you as you learn what it means to surrender to the gospel of Jesus Christ.